Good morning, everyone. Thank you for worshiping with us. My name is Clark Chilton, one of our associate pastors. We welcome you. Uh, This is the uh, fourth week, maybe fifth week, of our series we're doing called Lord of the Impossible, where we're hearing about how Jesus is Lord of the Impossible. And we're looking at different stories throughout the Bible, accounts throughout the Bible, of showing how God can do the impossible. And today we're looking at uh, Stephen in the book of Acts. And how Stephen had a tremendous amount of boldness in what he proclaimed, and yet also a meekness about what happens. And we'll read that shortly. Uh, I was thinking about the Reverend Billy Graham, who uh, famously traveled the world for many decades preaching the gospel, has preached the gospel of Jesus to more people than anyone in history, um, over 300 million people throughout the course of his ministry. And one point he was traveling to Pittsburgh, and uh, staying in a hotel near Pittsburgh, and as he was in an elevator, a crowded elevator, one of the uh, various businessmen in the elevator looked to his friend and said, hey, you know, you know what I heard? I heard that Billy Graham is staying in this hotel. And the man, the other man, said, well, you know what? I don't really know what he looks like. I've heard his name, but I don't know uh, much about Billy Graham. And the friend who brought up that, hey, Billy Graham is here, the man who said that, motioned to Dr. Graham and said, you know, he's standing right there. He's in the elevator with us. And the man who did not know what Billy Graham very well turned to him and had heard about this famous person, this man that if you knew him in person, he was very humble and gracious, uh, maybe a little bit meek, uh, very kind, very godly. And he, he turned and looked at Billy Graham and he's he looked him up and down and he said, what an anticlimax!" You know, you build these things up in your mind and then you see that it's just a person. But when he's in the pulpit, he was an incredibly bold preacher. When he would lean on the authority of God's word, his words that would come out of his mouth had authority because it was the word of God being proclaimed. There's a boldness in who he was. But when you knew him, you knew that he was a rather meek and humble person. Boldness and meekness coexisting as one. And as you see here today in Acts chapter 7 about Stephen and his sermon that he gives to the Jewish leaders of the day on the streets of Jerusalem, it would be a chaotic scene if you can imagine it. Hundreds, maybe thousands of people gathered in the streets and Stephen confronts these leaders with a powerful sermon that would ultimately Uh, arrive to Stephen's death as Stephen would be stoned in the street. Acts chapter 7 starting in verse 51. Stephen says, you stiff-necked people uncircumcised in hearts and ears, you are forever opposing the Holy Spirit just as your ancestors used to do. Which of the prophets did your ancestors not persecute? They killed those who foretold the coming of the righteous one, and now you have become his betrayers and murderers. You are the ones that received the law as ordained by angels, and yet you have not kept it. And when they heard these things, they became enraged and ground their teeth at Stephen. But filled with the Holy Spirit, he, Stephen, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, 
I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they covered their ears and with a loud shout all rushed together against him. Then they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul, who would eventually become the Apostle Paul. While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he died. At this point in the city of Jerusalem, it's estimated that the population of Jerusalem was about 40,000 people. It's also estimated that the growing church of Jesus, which is primarily Jewish at this point, numbered more than 10,000 people at this point in the book of Acts. So a quarter of the city is believing and following Jesus. Can you imagine the upheaval against this, the, the, the structure of the Jewish leaders of the day? It was a huge movement that was beginning in Jerusalem, just as Jesus said it would, that salvation comes from the Jews, that it would begin in Jerusalem and then go out into all the corners of the world. And that's exactly what we see happening here. But the scope and the speed in which this movement would travel would be unprecedented in world history. Kenneth Scott Latourette, a noted historian from Yale University, said, never in so short a time has any other religious faith, or for that matter, any other set of ideas, religious or political or economic, ever achieved so commanding a position in so short in, a, in, a, in so short a period of time, without the aid of physical force, social or political or cultural prestige. Other movements throughout history have started with physical force, riots, um, conquering armies, but Christianity, it sets apart from everything else. It starts unaided by any man-made ways. From here on, Christianity is going to spread around the world, particularly after this martyrdom of Stephen. How does it grow to such an extent? Obviously, it's God and the Spirit of God doing this. But one of the other reasons, I believe, is the witness of the Christians at this time. There's a boldness and a meekness about their witness. A boldness and a meekness. In Stephen's story here, there's no physical violence. There's no political scheming. But you see a radical boldness and a radical meekness. Power harnessed by love. For example, as you see in the story, he calls them stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in hearts and ears. Those are bold statements. Those statements don't win you a lot of friends. But then, as he's kneeling on the street, bleeding and being stoned to death, he says, God, forgive them. Do not hold this sin against them. A boldness and a meekness. It seems like a counterintuitive mix, but it really isn't. If you consider the phrase, power harnessed by love, that this encapsulates the the heart of God, of who Jesus is, is a boldness and a meekness that, that coexist perfectly a power of God that's harnessed by love. 
Like, look at Jesus, the Lord of the impossible. He's all-powerful, all-sovereign, all-knowing, the creator of worlds and stars and galaxies. And yet that same Savior is also a servant. He's bold, but he's meek. He's not safe, but he's good. That same Savior that would do great miracles and teach with the greatest authority. That, that, but he would also go and wash his disciples' feet. That he would lay down his life on the cross. Boldness and meekness, power harnessed by love, both coexisting. See, we live in a world that doesn't like to choose or that likes to choose the extreme. We live in a world that doesn't really like tension. So to satisfy that tension, so we think, we choose well, uh, power or we choose love. I'm going to be the bold Christian or I'm going to be the meek Christian. But so much of Christianity today is too permissive and it allows sin, or, the, or at least the preaching, not the preaching against sin, or it deviates on the other side completely and becomes legalistic, graceless, and non-loving. But as we see here in Stephen's witness and in Jesus' witness and in throughout the witness of Christians throughout history, you can, by the Spirit of God animating you, speaking through you, you can perfectly be both. You can be bold and yet meek at the same time. Power harnessed by love. Someone that I think perfectly shows this balance of power and harnessed by love, boldness and meekness, was Mother Teresa, the famous Catholic nun who served the poor, the lepers of Calcutta, India for decades. And over time, God gave her great authority in this world. Um, she had a, a boldness about her words and her speech, but she was meek in her witness and her service to the world. And in 1994, Mother Teresa would speak at the National Prayer Breakfast in Washington, D.C. And there she is, surrounded by the most, some of the most powerful people in the world. Mother Teresa was five feet tall. She was less than 100 pounds. If you watch the video on YouTube, you can go look it up. She's so short, you can't see her over the microphones. I don't know why they didn't give her a box to stand on. But she gives this incredible speech at the National Prayer Breakfast. And she gives a shocking response to the issue of abortion. She doesn't shame those who have had one. She doesn't argue. But she boldly inserts herself as the possible solution. Which she would say, please don't kill the child. I want the child. Give the child to me and I will give it to a married couple who will love the child. Boldness and yet a meekness in her witness. The tension there that's in this passage as well as in the heart of Jesus. As we see here, Stephen is incredibly bold in Acts chapter 7. He preaches the longest recorded sermon in the book of Acts. And three times this passage tells us that Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. That this filling of the Holy Spirit of a boldness and a meekness is not reserved for a precious few, but it's for any believer that receives the Spirit of God by faith. And especially for ordinary people like Stephen, who God would use to be bold in his authority. 
Many people today are claiming all types of authority. When Stephen is preaching this sermon, he is not resting on his own opinion, on his own experience, but he's resting on the authority of God's word and preaching it with boldness before a listening world, scattering seed. Some will receive that and some will not. Obviously, in this passage, some did not want to hear what he had to say, but he was bold in his authority on God's word. Many today will rely on the authority of their own opinion. I read it on the internet. Snopes.com said it, so it must be true. I read it on Wikipedia. My friend posted it on Facebook, so I'm going to accept it as gospel, right? We, we lean on all sorts of authority, but here he's leaning on the true authority of God's word. And where did he learn this information that he gives in this sermon on Acts chapter 7? He, sa- he was sitting at the feet of the apostles. That's where he got it from. He was learning from these men that Jesus had handpicked. And he's hearing what they're teaching. And Stephen was devoted to the word. And when it came time, God would use him to proclaim that word with boldness. And because he took the time to know the word, he was ready at the right time to speak and to proclaim it with boldness. You see, the Holy Spirit can bring things to our memory, but the Holy Spirit can also use planning. See, the Holy Spirit will usually only bring things to our minds that we have already committed to memory. You can't speak the word if you don't know it. You can't give away something if you don't already possess it. Boldness doesn't happen by accident. Here he's speaking to the spiritual strongholds of that time and age, and it did cost him his life. But as his life was given as an offering and a sacrifice, God would use it to then from this point on, we'll see, will spread the message across the world. See, he was not afraid, Stephen. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 10, Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear God, who can destroy both soul and body in hell. See, uh, Stephen's authority was placed in the right place, in the hands of God. And he knew that if God was for him, nothing would be against him. So there's a boldness in his authority, a boldness in what he's resting on and trusting in and proclaiming. It's not his message, but God's message. Some of the best advice I ever got about giving a sermon was this. People don't come to church to hear what I have to say. People come to church to hear what God has to say. And that's what I would want to hear too if I came to church. And here Stephen is having church on the streets of Jerusalem and he's telling the people, this is what God has to say to this generation. A boldness and a meekness. Here Stephen doesn't cause a riot. He doesn't raise his fists. He's bold and authoritative, but he's peacefully nonviolent. And the core of the Christian commitment is service. And Stephen encapsulated that with his life. At this point in the early church, there was a lot of, uh, obviously it was all Jewish people, but there were ethnic Jews. There were also um, Jews who were Greek-speaking, and they complained that their elders, their older, their parents and grandparents weren't receiving the same uh, level of care that the Jewish elders were receiving in the church. So they came to the apostles and said, please do something about this. And the apostles commissioned 
seven deacons to care for these other segments of, of parents and grandparents who were getting older. Stephen would be the archdeacon of these seven deacons. Deacon translates into the word servant. Stephen was the oldest of those seven deacons. So he was the head servant to the church at that point. So Stephen's attitude at this point throughout his life in ministry in Jerusalem and and to the church back then was, whatever there is to do, I'll do it gladly. It's not about me, but it's about the body of Christ. This is his life. This is his attitude. This is his witness. You see, meekness has nothing to do with being weak or passive. It's meekness is power harnessed by love. It's like in, in, in a marriage, if some of you are married. To be meek, it's not, to be meek is not just to be weak or vulnerable, but to be so committed to your spouse that you will sacrifice whatever it takes for his or her good. Meekness is not weakness. I mean, imagine like a CEO of a, of a company or the general of an army. Now, you would expect them to be strong. They have to be strong in their role. They have to be bold. They have to lead with decisive action. If you had one of these people in these roles that was being uh, meek all the time, it wouldn't work. They couldn't lead in that way. But you see, if, if God wanted the church to be led only by bold people or only by meek people, well, he could have ordained it that way. But the church isn't a country. The church isn't a corporation. It's not a business. Christians who are convinced they must be the most insightful or most incisive or forceful or commanding, they miss the most basic of spiritual truths, that God delights to use the meekest because they are obviously the most dependent on him and not their own ability. This does not mean that a good Christian is quiet or weak or reticent to lead or skeptical in their own judgment. Not at all. But it does mean that they are quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. God uses the, sim- the simple, weak, or unnoticed things of this world to give him glory. God uses a man like Stephen, a humble deacon with no societal uh, stature, to speak to the highest level of leaders, religious leaders of that day. But Stephen doesn't use force. There's no physical altercations. And with the exception of Peter slicing a guard's ear the night before Jesus' crucifixion, you never see Jesus or his disciples use any physical violence. But at the testimony of their mouths, the boldness of their message, the power of the Spirit, and the word and action, it's more than enough to release the power of God, of heaven, here on earth. And Saul, as you see in this passage, Saul, who would later become the Apostle Paul, was standing there as an elite. And one day he would preach the gospel to a world that didn't care about his pedigree. And that he would make himself a fool, as he would say. So that the the foolish things of this world are often used to challenge the wise. And in Stephen's meekness, he shows the boldness of the Holy Spirit. Stephen forgives those men who take his life. And what really pushed them over the edge 
was this vision that Stephen has of seeing the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God the Father. And, the, and God gives Stephen this vision. As Tim Keller said, while Stephen was confessing Christ to men, we then see Christ confessing Stephen before God. How amazing that Christ is saying to Stephen, you have done well. You have done well. And as Stephen's witness, his bold and his meek witness, and he has this almost a book of revelation vision of Christ, it would start, it would really light a fire that after this, the church would never be the same. And I pray that we would have today the same vision of seeing the Son of Man, that we would have that heavenly vision of knowing from where our authority comes, a a vision that is bold and yet meek, a vision that is full of power and yet harnessed by God's love. And we're going to sing a song here in just a second that I invite you to sing. But do it with the eyes of your heart oriented to heaven. That we are joining with a heavenly chorus. We're joining with, a, with a, a throng of people that is too large to even be counted. And this is similar to what Stephen saw. And as he sees this vision, it may not have, it may not have won him many friends in that moment. But through it, God would do a great work of spreading his message across the world. I believe God is calling us to be a bold people. Some of us have sat on our hands for far too long. We've kept our mouths shut when we should speak up. We've listened to the voice of fear for far too long. May God give us the words that are bold. It's his words, not yours. It's not mine. It's not my love. My love's conditional. My love gets weak. His love is everlasting. His power doesn't run dry. So as we proclaim the gospel to the world, let us be bold and let us be meek. Let us be powerful, but let us be loving. I invite you to sing this song. Sing it. Even if you're with people in the room, just sing it. Sing it out to God. Join with heaven as we sing this together.